the typical English teacher. Yeah. I don't know. May you go to the bathroom? Can oh, you? no, dang it. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to another episode of Is Fitz Happy? I'm Luke. And I'm Emma. And today we're discussing chapter 13 of Assassin's Apprentice, Smithy. Before we get into um, the chapter, we do want to note, we're going to start talking about um, what you guys are talking to us about at the end of um, each episode, just in case people don't like it as much and they just want to skip past that part and just get to the nitty gritty Um, So this way, if you like it, you can listen to it at the end. Yep, I do want to give a quick shout out and um, uh, apology. We have been in the middle of a move and we got settled into a new place here. And it feels nice getting used to, you know, a nice rhythm, a usual activity after all of the hustle and bustle of everything. (laughs) So, um, yeah. We uh, couldn't get to uh, all the responses and everything like that, but uh, thanks for bearing with us. Yeah, should be better this week. (laughs) All right, so we start off this chapter with Lady Patience. Yes. A lot of Lady Patience in this chapter, actually. I know, which is funny because last chapter is Lady Patience, but this chapter is almost solely about Lady Patience. Right, yeah. And... Um, the intro to this chapter is just kind of explaining how Lady Patience was as a child. Mm-hmm. And um, it's basically exactly how she is as an adult. Yeah. <laughs> She's cool, basically. She's always been cool. Um, was there anything that you wanted to specifically point out? or um, Not specifically. It, it, I just kind of wrote down that she was curious, intelligent, eccentric, distractible, um, and had no real interest in applying any of this knowledge practically just wanted to know things and that's it Um, a real thomas edison type yeah (laughs) (laughs) and that kind of uh really carries over into her adulthood and trying to you know teach fits things yes but i do want to point out that it says that she knows the art of tattooing yeah and um i have a theory now that Chivalry had at least one tattoo on him. Oh, 100%. (laughs) Even if he was sleeping at the time. Oh, yeah, for sure. She wanted to know the difference between an awake person and a sleeping person with tattoos or something. (laughs) So, yeah, she knows a lot of things, and she is a very quick learner. Um. Her tutors were frustrated by her distractible ways and frequent absences that seemed to affect not at all her ability to learn almost anything swiftly and well. She's just so cool. I just, I don't know. Everything about her is so cool to me. Stubbornly independent and yet lacking the common sense to take care of herself. (laughs) She's just somebody that you want to have a talk with, you know? Or very many talks because, you know, you won't really get to anything <laughs> that you wanted to talk about. That's true. But it's totally fine. Yeah. yeah. You'd learn a lot. <laughs> and that um, transitions over from her childhood straight into Fitz's first 
lesson, quote unquote, with her. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Where before he even gets in the door, she's admonishing him about how he's standing and, you know, contradicting herself. And it's great. Yes. Stand up straight. <laughs> you look like a turkey drawn out and waiting for the axe. Relax more. No, but put your shoulders back. Don't hunch them. Do you always stand with your feet thrown out so? <laughs> oh. And Lacey, just these chapters remind me that Lacey is like the cool voice of reason and she's awesome. Like she's yeah. she's so cool. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, and Fitz kind of gets his first glance around the room and notices that it's way more cluttered and messy than Shades ever was, even before he cleaned up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's uh, it, it's funny because it mentions in here that, you know, Shade has been living in the walls for 30 years in that one room and Lady Patience has moved in in, what, the past couple weeks? <laughs> a few days. A few days, it says. <laughs> Hasn't even been a full week. <laughs> Kind of describes pretty much what everything uh, is going on in her room, but there's lots of green plants. Uh, She has a big interest in growing things, and that's why in the previous chapter I was kind of wondering if she was in the the woman's garden when um, Mm -hmm. Fitz came up drunken. (laughs) Drunkenly. Yeah. She just has stuff everywhere. She also seems to have a lot of um, tablets for reading i guess um i love just the imagery of this room that you know lady patience knows exactly where everything is even though it's this huge mess and doesn't make sense to anybody else and i just love how there's plants everywhere and they're all set up so they get whatever little bit of light that's going to come into the room at differing times of the day i don't know it's just a very cool image in my mind. See, I got the I got the image that Patience puts things down thinking she'll remember them and then loses them instantly. <laughs> so she has no idea where anything in the room is. But Lacey is always like, it's right there. That's right there. <laughs> this is over okay, here. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll take that. <laughs> but Patience puts it down like, I'll remember it right here. This is where I need it. And they're like, where did I put that? <laughs> Um, but uh, Lady Patience has a lot of nervous energy letting Fitz in, um, and you can tell that she's kind of agitated about this whole thing and wants to make a good first impression, but wants him to make a good first impression on her mm-hmm. and is also feeling really guilty about certain things and just nervous in general. I mean, we see that because as soon as he's in, after just admonishing him for how he's standing um she suddenly switches to he's probably hungry um i i've read that about boys they like food she has no idea how to interact with anybody that age which is fair or a child yeah yeah that's fair she's probably not around very many children so but i love that she knows that boys like food because she's heard that about them. And I like to think that, yeah, it is true. But I like to think that she's been asking around about what, you know, teenage boys are like and what they do and what they like and what they should be doing just because she's somebody who likes to learn so much. So maybe she kind of took on this Fitz project as I need to learn about boys. So I know how to interact with him. And it's one of those things where it's not exactly 
as easy when you hear things about people or like a, a group of an age group. It's not as easy to transfer that to real life. <laughs> right. Yeah. Fitz kind of goes into a uh, a scene in his head where uh, Shrewd is telling him why he's going there and <laughs> what he's doing. And Fitz, is, Fitz has said a line out to Lady Patience. He's like, I carefully rephrased this because Shrewd said something way different <laughs> and a little bit more rude. Which is fair because him and Verity were looking very beleaguered, it says. They were harried. I'm sure they were exhausted. They were planning things for Red Ship Raiders. And then Patience kind of storms in and like, hey, do this. Do this now. No, no, no. Do this. Do this. <laughs> so finally Shrewd's like, okay, you do it. It's fine. Yeah. Um, so what Fitz says is, um, I'm here to make myself available to you in the mornings for as long as you want me. But what King Shrewd actually said was go to her chambers each morning and do whatever it is she thinks you ought to be doing. So she leaves me alone and keep doing it until she is as weary of you as I am of her. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a pretty great line. Yeah. And it's great because we don't really ever see Shrewd so. Oh, I don't Blunt. know. Yeah, or just riled up, I guess. Yeah. His feathers are never have never been so ruffled. <laughs> he usually has a lot of tact in the way he speaks about people. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure it's a little bit of, like you said, he's tired from dealing with the Red Ship um, Raiders. And then also she's just so persistent. <laughs> yeah, I think it's definitely a combo. Because right after that, um, it says that Verity came in the door of the chamber as I was scuttling out. And he too looked much the worse for wear. Both men spoke and moved as if suffering from too much wine the night before, and yet I had seen them both at table last night, and there had been a marked lack of either merriness or wine. Yeah. So it's uh, it's definitely stress. <laughs> yeah, and, and exhaustion and skill usage. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And that made me think. So they must both be using a very large amount of skill to be that tired, right? Probably. Because we know just the casual, like, messaging between people doesn't really tire you out. Um, or it doesn't seem to have as much effect. It's hours upon hours of using it strenuously that gets you right. weary. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot going on behind the scenes that we don't really get a peek into until later. Yeah. Um, brief mention of Regal. He's the worst. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> he's crabby and he, he glares at Fitz. Uh, the, the phrase that Verity says to him is, um, more like his father every day. And then it says, Regal glared at me as he entered the King's chamber. I, Regal really doesn't like those reminders that Fitz is a royal bastard. He is part of the family. He looks like chivalry. It's just a thorn in his side. So do you think... He doesn't like it because, like you said, he it reminds him it's a royal bastard, or is it because chivalry was the perfect child? Both. Both, I think. Because there's that visual reminder of chivalry, and that visual reminder is for everybody that chivalry's heir is right here. And he was so close to getting, you know, recognized or being ahead of Regal in the succession so mm -hmm. i i don't know i think there's just plus a lot of the point the poison that uh, queen desire probably put into his head right so i don't know 
just regal being regal <laughs> fair enough we uh, switch back to lady patience and lacy and um it says that she was skirting about me and talking past me as if i were an animal that might suddenly strike out at her or soil the carpets i could tell that it afforded lacy much amusement <laughs> Well, I'm, it's she's just so nervous. Like, how yeah. do you talk to him? And and she knows now that he knows for sure who he she is. And maybe right. she didn't even notice that he didn't know who she was before. But you know, she's just she doesn't know how to talk to him. <laughs> Fitz is like recalling the earlier times we had met. I could scarcely blame her for treating me like a dolt. <laughs> <laughs> um. And then an awkward silence falls. Lady Patience doesn't, again, like I mentioned before, doesn't really know how to use her knowledge in a practical sense to continue on with, like, social interactions. She's all about, like, the scholarly pursuit of everything. So she's just like, okay, now what? Oh, here's a dog. I got it for you. Yep. <laughs> Out of nowhere. <laughs> and that is the single best thing that she could have ever done. Right. To help fix anything with Fitz. Mm -hmm. Give him a companion that will make him not feel so alone. Right. You know, it's... And do you think she gives him an animal because she knows he's good with animals? That's all she really knows about him. And she knows he lives in the stable. So I'll, I'll get him an animal. That'll be a good gift. <laughs> Probably partially somewhere in the back of her mind but at the same time she follows it up with like every boy should have a puppy or you could have a bird like well, i got i got birds too you can have a bird if you want so i feel like she wants him to have something and also you know knew she knew he was in the stables and like kind of knows what Beric was doing and taking care of the hawks and the hounds right so i don't know i just like to think that because that's all she knew about him she was like, uh, animal, that'll be the gift I give him. Right. That, that's a good gift. <laughs> um, also, why does she have a cage of finches? Not even just one, multiple finches in her bedroom. <laughs> Lady Patience is going to do whatever she wants. I guess. <laughs> Imagine being part of like the servant train, leading them from Withy Woods to Buckkeep. <laughs> with all of these animals, like there's a cage of finches there. Uh-huh. A dog with two pups. <laughs> oh, what a fun adventure. Patience probably fretting over the plants much more than any of the animals. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't think she would ignore the animals, but I'm no, sure she, she wouldn't would think ignore they'd be fine. them. But yeah, <laughs> the plants are her babies. Come on. <laughs> um, and Fitz instinctively reaches out to this puppy to calm him down from being thrust through the air <laughs> yeah um and the mom approves and the puppy is very alert and they stare each other in the eyes for a while yeah and this puppy is not a normal puppy um because he has a solidly established identity identity within himself yep most it says most puppies his age were little more than fuzzy self-awareness but this had a a solid I am this puppy. <laughs> yeah. Which is really interesting. Mm -hmm. um, and perfect for him. <laughs> yeah. It's good that he has 
a companion that has such a strong personality and will, considering he lacks that a little bit sometimes. Yeah. And then um, kind of shows that Fitz is diving into that connection a little bit more, explaining what the puppy thinks of the room, of him, of Patience and Lacey. Lacey feeds him treats (laughs) and Patience puts him back in his bed so he doesn't like her very much. (laughs) (laughs) And it breaks in with um, an obvious allusion to Patience saying something and ending with even listening. And I want to take a quick note of this next line. It says, I winced expecting a rap from Burek. And like, I know fantasy is in general set in a medieval technology time period Mm -hmm. where uh, corporal punishment was much more common. Right. But like, if you're wincing expecting hits, like that's not good either. It's kind of like, um, don't have law of Pavlovian response. Yeah. Um, to using his, are you even listening and then expecting a hit on the head? Yeah. Well, yeah. I think it's more so because he was using something that he knows he's not supposed to be using. That's true. Um, and I think it's more not even just because he wasn't listening. I think if he was just day, you know, daydreaming, he wouldn't have winced. But I think it's the combination the, of the wit. Yeah. Using the wit in front of somebody. And that kind of goes to show the depth of the distrust he has for Birik regarding that. Yeah. Because of nosy. Like the original, mm-hmm. original puppy had. So I don't know. I just kind of wanted to point that point that out. Yeah. <laughs> and patience goes on and says, "I think there's something wrong with him." Did you see how he's sitting there staring at the puppy? I thought he was going off into some sort of fit. And she, <laughs> oh my gosh, she went. Uh, Lacey responds and smiles and went on with her tatting. Fair reminded me of you, lady, when you start pottering about with your leaves and bits of plants and end up staring at the dirt. Well, said Patience, clearly displeased, it is quite one thing for an adult to be pensive, she observed firmly, and another for a boy to stand about looking daft. (laughs) I love this. And I love I love how Lacey is kind of trying to be like, see of something in common. You both get absorbed into something that you like and kind of making it like like mother, like son, in a very subtle way that's because Lacey knows that's what Patience is kind of going for. Right. Um, but Patience is not not having that because, you know, she doesn't want her bad habits to be. She's <laughs> like, I don't have bad habits. That's a bad habit. I am thoughtful and looking <laughs> off into the distance and thinking scholarly things. And, and he I'm was, an adult. <laughs> he was having a fit and he's a child. <laughs> And I think this is funny because earlier Fitz had specifically said when he sat down in her chambers that he was trying to look intelligent. Right. Um, He didn't want to look dumb in front of her and, you know. Try to counteract some of the previous experiences he's had with her. Uh Uh-huh. And it's too late. (laughs) He apologizes, but then also in his head is like, it's, it's hard to concentrate on what's in front of you when... A young pup just declared you the center of their world, basically. And they have a start of a new bond together. Mm-hmm. And, and it says that um, it made him realize how profoundly alone 
Fitz had felt. And he responds, thank you, with a ton of gratitude in his voice. And it surprises even himself with how much he felt that. Yeah. And it's so sad that he's that alone. And it, I, I do wonder if that loneliness is in part from not having a wit bond. We already know that he had established one with... Um, Nosy. Yeah, yeah, with Nosy. And that was taken away. And we know that whenever, you know, Whitbond dies, that's like, a, it's basically a death of part of yourself. And so I wonder if it's not necessarily that he was lonely in the castle, which I'm sure he is lonely because he's kind of by himself a lot. But just knowing but, what he missed. Yeah. Like but it's like a missing. part of your heart that's yeah. not whole, I guess. Mm-hmm. So... Um, he says thank you, and Lady Patience is like, it's just a puppy, and to my surprise, she almost looked ashamed. Do you have a a thought of why she was ashamed there? I have two trains of thought. So, I either she feels ashamed because it's, she, this poor boy, like, a puppy gets him this excited. What does he not have anything else? And like, right. I'm sure her train of thought would go to like, he doesn't have anything and I'm the reason it's my fault. That, this was like an afterthought gift. If yeah. it wasn't, you know, like, yeah. Oh, he likes animals or whatever. I don't even know that much about him. I don't even know what he likes. And he's and so he's, thankful. <laughs> he, yeah. And he's so thankful for a gift and, or it might just be that, you know, that's, I guess, yeah, that's that's all she gave him, and she wanted to give more or something. I think it's because she offered it as a bribe. Mm. I think it was her way of being like, you know how the like the the popular culture depiction of a new um you know stepmom or stepdad comes in and they give him a bunch of gifts that sort of thing right like i think it's kind of like that where she's like i i need him to like me so she's like i'll i'll make him like me with things and that's why and since he is so genuinely grateful Mm -hmm. she's like oh god (laughs) (laughs) yeah i shouldn't do that (laughs) yeah she feels guilty well because Maybe she a little bit thinks she doesn't know what she's getting herself into. She doesn't know Fitz. She doesn't know much about him. And maybe some level on some level, she thinks that he's kind of spoiled and like a kid of chivalry should be. And he probably has a ton of stuff and he, you know, doesn't need doesn't ever want for anything. And so this half thought out gift that was just half heartedly thrown to him. And he's so happy, like, obviously, it's not as good as she assumed it was. I don't know. Maybe not. (laughs) Right. Um, But I I really do think it was, like, basically a bribe. Because later on in the chapter, the fool kind of talks about... We'll get there, but he he kind of mentions, like, are you going to let her buy you with gifts? Right. So that's what I kind of, like, just linked it back to in my mind. Mm. It's like, this is the first thing, really. Yeah. Well, I definitely think that's what she's trying to do overall, but I didn't think this was her ashamed because of the bribe, I guess. Mm. 
more just so that this poor boy. (laughs) (laughs) But um, then she changes topics um, and demands that he tell her about himself. She's very displeased with all of his training, except for learning how to read. Uh, And she's like, well, if you know languages and you can read, you can learn anything if you have a will to. And I don't care if you have a will, because I'm going to make you have a will to learn something. (laughs) (laughs) She's so adamant that he needs to learn, which is so interesting that she's someone who doesn't really ascribe to what society says you need to learn or know. And yet she's kind of looking down on the things that he's been learning, which is just a weird thing to me, because I mean, I guess it's all he has the opportunity to do. He isn't necessarily stating this as something he loves doing. Um, But from her point of view, she fully pursued those things and had an interest in them. I think Fitz reflects on it a little bit later, but he feels like he draws a pretty flat character in her eyes because he's a boy who can read and then knows how to take care of dogs and horses. Yeah. And that's it. But (laughs) He can't say that, you know, he's learned a bunch of verbs, he knows how to poison people, he knows how to kill people, he knows how to spy, he knows how to memorize everything, like, all of this kind of thing, all these kind of things. And she sees him just knowing those three things and be like, well, I'll make you learn things, because obviously you don't want to go out and learn things on your own. (laughs) (laughs) That's fair, I guess, yeah. She just thinks he doesn't have the drive to learn. (laughs) Which, yeah. And then we get into... um, that question uh that as fitz describes it Mm -hmm. what do they call you boy the question again boy is fine i muttered i force myself to be calm for the puppy yeah oh which is so sad because it just once again states how deeply upsetting it is to him that he doesn't have a name yeah, he's he's embarrassed. He he really wants to be called something other than boy and honestly other than Fitz at this point. Cuz he is in that like moody the moody teenager stage where like, oh yeah, Beric named me Fitz, but I know what that means, so uh-huh. I don't mm, I'll respond, but I want a name. And she um It says a stricken look. Yeah. Flit briefly across her face and he had satisfaction at that because he wants people to feel sorry for him because he feels sorry for himself well see i read it more that he's glad she feels sorry about it or she's ashamed yeah but not not that he as a whole wants everybody to feel that way you know right just because um she like he is mad at her because we know from previous chapters, she's the one he blames for his dad not getting to know him. Right. So, it yeah, it's really sad and misplaced, but I understandable. And then she goes on and says, uh, I'll sh- I shall call you Thomas. Tom for every day. Does that suit you? And he's really mad at that because she just kind of blurts it out. And he's like, Burek names all of our things way more thoughtfully than that and they're animals there's no like blackies or anything like that which is so ironic because he hates not having a name he wants 
anyone to give him a name and then someone does and he's not satisfied enough with it and but he also he also didn't want to choose a name for himself he wanted somebody to give him a name that fit him right you know he wanted like why doesn't the king name me mm-hmm. i want like a name <laughs> and not just to be tom out of nowhere <laughs> But we know that Tom was thoughtful because uh, it was based on Chivalry's letters to Verity discussing Fitz. They called him the little Tomcat, I think, as like a reference. Mm -hmm. And that's what she's had in her head this whole time, that his name was Tom. Oh, poor Fitz. And he, he of course, doesn't know that. So he just thinks it's a random name that she picked with just out of thin air and... And he keeps the name later. Yeah. Tom Badgerlock. I think he just wants to hate her so much. He's a kid. Yeah. He is, and it's just. He's a he's lot of angry. unresolved anger. Yeah. And I think it wouldn't have mattered even if she had spent time and gave him like a really cool royal <laughs> name. I think he still would have found fault with it and been like that's too royal for someone of my status or probably it's fits it is (laughs) um and he's dismissed and he leaves and Lacey's eyes followed him and fitz sensed her disappointment in how it went because Lacey wants the best for both of them right wants the best for lady patience more so because you know she knows her more (laughs) yeah but still like it's it was a disappointing first thing because you could kind of sense the uh ambivalence between the two of like uh will you learn i suppose so well i suppose i'll teach you then will tom (laughs) suit you i suppose so (laughs) and that's the thing is fitz isn't really putting his best foot forward he's not trying neither was lady patience well I feel like she was trying a little bit more than he was. Not as much as she could have, and she wasn't going about it very tactfully. But when Fitz went in, he, like you said, he was trying to look intelligent and and prepped. He was very polite. He was saying, like, ma'am, lady, all of that. And it says in there that he starts to feel badgered because she's asking them all about his education, feels, you know... He's not doing himself a service there and all these kinds of things. And like, oh, well, I guess I'll have to teach you everything. I'll make you learn. So it says like he's feeling badgered. I feel like both of them are just they want the other to give in to everything. And they're just playing off each other's like stubbornness. That's fair. Yeah. And it is hard because how do you bridge a gap like that? How do you and as an adult, how do you? try to make friends with a child right that is like such a weird relation to you and as a child adults are supposed to know everything and they're supposed to always do things the right way so it's just really hard on both ends (laughs) right well he has some time after this first audience so he um thinks about you know what to do with his new dog and he's like i have to put him in my room because i have to hide him from Birik. this new bond is forming still and i want to maintain this because i'm you know lonely and this is great yeah and he's thinking of names and then out of nowhere the fool pops up and continues that thought (laughs) i didn't want him to be a fighter so no ripper or charger he would be tenacious and alert 
grip, maybe. Or sentry. Or anvil or forge. I looked up. The fool stepped out of an alcove and followed me down the hall. And he's just appearing out of nowhere and finishing Fitz's thoughts. And just waiting for Fitz. Yep. <laughs> Do you think he was actually waiting for Fitz to see how it went with Lady Patience? Yes. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Um, I'm pretty sure the fool, like thinks of these questions and and wants to lead Fitz on the correct path because that's his whole goal. Right. And he sees a good relationship with Lady Patience in the future. So wants to lead him to that and say, like, don't be resentful of her the whole time. Like, come on. Nudge him onto the right path. (laughs) Right. And Fitz is like, oh, those are a bit dramatic and forge is a bad (laughs) word now. Um, And the fool's like, okay. Well, Smith then, or Smithy. Well, I think it's funny because the dramatic part isn't the names, it's the reason behind the name. Oh, true. Because your heart will be hammered against him, and your strength will be tempered in his fire. (laughs) It is pretty dramatic. (laughs) And I love it, and I love, I mean, it's just the fool. The fool has always had a flair for the dramatics, and I love it. And it's very fits to call him out on it and be like, mm, it's too much. Uh, and then the dog is handed over to the fool. And this is where we get our first confirmation in chapter that he has no smell. <laughs> so um, Smithy, as he's going to be come to be called, is okay. uh, saying there's no smell here. There's no smell. And then later on, like in a couple pages, um, Fitz quests after the fool, and we get a confirmation that he also has no wit sense of life to him. Almost like a forged one. Yeah. But somehow different. But it's not explained, right? No, yeah. I, yeah. Whites are different. I don't yeah. know. So he must have, like, some base level of, like, something. I don't know. Like, life. <laughs> Yeah. Like he's alive and he has personality, so there's a base level of something coming off of him, but you it's just not can't strong sense. enough to yeah. track or Um and then the fool brings up what we were talking about before and he's like, So, are you gonna let her buy you with gifts? And Fitz is it says he's trying to be disdainful because I don't think he really believes in his own anger. Yeah. And he's like, why not? And the fool's like, it would be a mistake for both of you. She's going to want to give you things. You'll have to take them, for there's no polite way to refuse. But you'll have to decide whether they'll make a bridge between you or a wall. And ultimately, they make a bridge. Right. And I think his Fitz's immediate disdain... um, you're right, is kind of just a front that he's putting up. And I think he's already softened to Lady Patience. I mean, even though he's annoyed by her, she's so weird. She gave him a puppy. Yeah, she did. She gave him something that he actually loves. Yeah, if she gave him something else, like some jewels or like a nice shirt or something, Mm -hmm. I don't think she, like, Fitz would have cared that much. And I don't think there could have been a bridge started to be built no, yeah smithy really forged this bridge huh oh no <laughs> <laughs> oh no um but fitz breaks the the rule that 
Chade kind of uh, said to him, like, don't mention me to anybody. And he's like, do you know Chade? Directly to the fool. He basically confirms that he knows them Mm -hmm. and he knows enough to keep his mouth shut. Shade or sunlight, I know when to keep a grip on my tongue. It would be a good thing for you to learn as well. (laughs) Do you want to say anything about, you know, how they might have met or anything like that? Because I think it's just in Trude's chambers when they're like talking about. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I'm sure it's, you know, yeah. in, I'm sure you're right. Intrude's chambers and Shade just wanted to know more about it, this weird creature. Um, yeah, either that or, I mean, just talking with Shrewd, basically Shade talking with Shrewd about red ships or mm-hmm. what to do with things. And and we kind of know that they know each other from, I believe it's last chapter. Yeah. And I think that's why Fitz got curious of like, do you actually know? Fair, yeah. Chade. Right. <laughs> because Chade was talking about you like he knew you. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's a good point. I wonder, though, too, um, if the fool is a little bit disappointed in Fitz for not just keeping this quiet. Right. Um, Or if he's just reminding him not to talk about it to people. <laughs> like, maybe the fool thinks Fitz is a little dumb, too, and is like, mm, yeah. don't go asking <laughs> that to anybody else. <laughs> True. Um, but the fool says something pretty, pretty important to Fitz as he's leaving. She only hated you for the first few months, and it wasn't truly hate of you. It was blind jealousy of your mother that she could bear a babe to chivalry, but patience could not. After that, her heart softened. She wanted to send for you, to raise you as her own. Some might say she merely wanted to possess anything that touched chivalry, but I don't think so. But of course, your father refused. He said it might appear he was formally acknowledging his bastard, but I don't think that was it at all. I think it would have been dangerous for you. So now we know. It's pretty much, yeah, it's kind of confirmed for Fitz because he trusts the fool. Right. And likes the fool. And the fool is like, it's not really her fault. You literally couldn't come. It's literally what Shade was saying to you before, that mm-hmm. you probably would have been killed. Right. And it's really sad because now we know, well, for the readers, we know that this is a really hard thing for patients yeah. and that... Of course she's acting weird. She wanted him as her child. Like, this is the child she couldn't have and that she's always wanted. And... She lost the love of her life two years ago. Mm -hmm. And the son she could never give to chivalry looks exactly like him. And she's meeting him for the first time. Like, it's... Yeah. And it's sad. And it's, it's sad for Fitz, too, I'm sure. Because... This gives him a more of the picture, and it's probably really hard to hate her now, because Fitz yeah. is very compassionate, and I think he doesn't necessarily hold grudges, I mean, with some people, but I think for the most part, it's challenging for him to 
hold such a strong dislike, especially for Lady Patience. As soon as he met her, she was super different from what he probably had imagined. He probably imagined her to be this cruel woman who would hate him on sight. And she's not. She's quirky and weird and gives him a puppy. And now he knows that it wasn't even her that kept his dad away. You can hurt her if you choose, he offered me. She feels such guilt at how alone you have been. And you look so like chivalry, anything you say will be as if it came from his lips. She's like a gem with a flaw. One precise tap from you, and she will fly all to pieces. She's half mad as she is, you know. They would never have been able to kill chivalry if she hadn't consented to his abdication. At least, not with such blithe dismissal of the consequences. She knows that. So she's feeling such guilt that she's the one who made it possible to kill chivalry. She's the one, in her mind, that prevented Fitz from ever having the family. Mm-hmm. That made him alone. And she's been carrying that all inside of her, just hoping for some reconciliation. Right. And it's so strange because that's not at all, it's not her fault. I mean, it's very human nature to blame yourself when things go wrong, especially when someone dies, to think like, oh, if I wouldn't have done this, then it would be different. Um, But I think in this, unless the abdication was directly asked of chivalry by her, and even then... It's not her fault that he was murdered. So, oh, I just feel terrible for her. Yeah. But now we know how she was feeling when they first walked in. She was nervous to meet him. But she was also super guilty that he had been alone this whole time. And maybe the puppy was a bribe, but like placed at the right spot of like, I know you've been alone. Here's a pet. Right. And then when she sees that he was so grateful... And it meant so much to him. She got that confirmation that he was so alone. Mm -hmm. And then that kind of confirms the guilt in her head. Right. Yeah. The whole thing is just cycles around and it's Mm -hmm. just bad. Fitz, um, speaking of the puppy, Fitz kind of, you know, checks him over, sees that he's very healthy and plays with him a bit until he gets tuckered out and sleeps on the couch or on the, the bed. Um. But before he does that, he asks the fool who, he says, who is they? And the fool corrects him and says, who are they? In re- response to his father being murdered. Right. Which confirms that it was multiple people. Yes, but I think that they confirm that. And the fool correcting him was evading him by correcting his grammar so he didn't have to answer. <laughs> I think it was like... <laughs> I think the fool is just trying to be the, mysterious the and typical, like blow him off. The typical English teacher, yeah. I don't know, can you go to the bathroom? <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. I think it's like they would have never been able to kill chivalry if she hadn't consented to the abdication. And... Fitz is like, who is they? And the fool's like, "Mm, who are they? Goodbye. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good point. Which is weird, because why couldn't he just tell him who it was? Maybe that would ruin the path of be too involved in his catalyst's life. Yeah, I think it would just 
point him at Regal and Desire too much. Mm. Even though, like, Shade kind of direct him that way, I don't think he's pointed at Regal as being able to do that at That's the moment. Fair. And it probably would change his temperament because he's still like growing up he's about to learn how to skill like maybe he would accuse him publicly and then have to die or something yeah really fitz is pretty hot-headed so that's very true (laughs) especially in his young age i mean i don't think it ever really goes away but he's really bad in this first series it's really bad in the last series too but understandably yeah that's fair um so it says the initial week with patience was a trying time for both of them and she tried a bunch of different things, and it was complaining to Birik once. One day it was music, the next day it was poetry, and I don't think Birik wants to listen to anything about what she's up to, because it's probably a sore spot, so he's like, I don't care. Yeah. Well, he says, I don't know how to please her, Birik. And he says, why would you want to? He growled. Yep. And I let that subject drop. Yeah, yeah. Um, pretty rough. Yeah, especially because Burek being kind of rude towards a lady is so strange. It's He usually has the better temperament towards Lady Patience than she does to him, so I'm wondering mm-hmm. if, like, she sent him a letter, like, you haven't been teaching Fitz well, like... <laughs> Maybe he's just heard her talk. Maybe, or, you know? <laughs> Maybe, that's true. <laughs> She's been complaining to the right people to let him know, but... Or maybe she comes near where he's working so she can complain loudly to Lacey. True. <laughs> um, Patience does seem kind of like passive-aggressive petty to me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> In the best way possible, but... Mm-hmm. A petty queen. <laughs> um, Lacey comes up to uh, Fitz's room and drops off one of the C-pipes. Uh, the what does the C-pipes look like? I'm going to stop and look this up real quick. Short, fat tubes bound together with strips of leather. Well, there's not, like, a straight-up explanation, but it sounds like they're kind of, like, pan flute kind of thing with a bunch of uh, tubes strung together. So uh, Lacey drops that off and is like, um... Fitz is like, what, did patients, you know, tell you to do this? Drop it off? And Lacey's like, no. She'll probably think they went missing. Yeah, they probably went missing somewhere. Um, learn how to play them and then show her later. She'll be really happy. Please. I'm... <laughs> <laughs> I'm tired of her complaining to me. Please, yeah. God. <laughs> learn something. <laughs> because it, was, it would make her feel better. And that would make my life much easier. There's nothing worse than being a maid to someone as heartsick as Lady Patience. She longs desperately for you to be good at something. She keeps trying you out, hoping that you'll manifest some sudden talent so that she can flout you about and tell folk, there, I told you he had it in him. And she goes on to explain, like, yeah, I know people aren't that way, so here they are, practice, and then show her you have some aptitude for them. (laughs) So she can feel like she's given you something. And then Fitz replies, she gave me Smithy. Nothing she can ever give me will be better than him. And Lacey's like, wow, okay, I'm surprised by that. Still practice the C-pipes because it's easier to present. (laughs) And also maybe tell her that, tell her that yourself. Tell her that you like the dog that much. Right. 
so then Fitz gets like sudden inspiration. He's like, okay, well, you know, her image of me must be flat. Like I said before, um, I could read and write and take care of a horse or dog, (laughs) but he also could do a bunch of things that she couldn't know of. So I'll go paint something. Yeah. And I think it's interesting that he starts off angry with her and then talks himself out of the anger. Yeah. And I, I wonder if this is because the fool has told him about her. Caught between anger and wistfulness. Patience wished me to be a success and felt she must discover something I could do, as if before her I had never done or accomplished anything. But as I mulled over what I had done and what she knew of me, I realized that her image of me must be a rather flat one. Yeah, so he's like... I'm angry at her for thinking I haven't done anything, but also I haven't done much. (laughs) (laughs) And what I have done, I literally can't speak of to anybody else besides two people. So, and at the end of these musings, he says, so was there anything to me other than being a spy or assassin? And I really feel like, This is the realization that haunts him the rest of his life of one of many. Yeah, (laughs) true. But just this, I don't want to be a spy. I don't want to be an assassin. This is not what I want. Or just that. Yeah. Even this isn't something, this isn't all that I am. And I don't want to be part of that anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think he's quite gotten to the point where like, I don't want to, you know, Right. murder and spy like i think he he's still since he knows how to do that he's like fine doing it well he but he wants to be more right and he hasn't had to kill anybody yet so he right. doesn't it's still just kind of a fanciful idea i guess I think at the end of the series definitely like right. he is he's done he's like i don't want to go back to that life i don't want to be used as a pawn mm-hmm. by any of these people i don't want to be involved because then my daughter might be involved but at this point he's like Yes, I'm this, but, you know, can I actually have interests outside of? Which is why Patience is good for him, because she's pushing him to have a personality. (laughs) Right, right. Not that he doesn't have a personality, but he is just so go with the flow that he doesn't have anything that's just something he likes doing. He did have writing, and he was excited about that, and then it was taken away from him. And he was told that's not something he could pursue. And so it's kind of stopped giving him joy, I think. I mean, he still does it and he still enjoys it. But it seems that because it can't, it's not an avenue to pursue later, he shuts himself off from that being a hobby he enjoys. At least in this, at this point in time. But the next scene here, um, every time I read through it, I'm just like, yeah, right. Like, that's, like, no, in a, in the space of, like, a few hours, he paints something that's astonishing even to Lady Patience as, like, a true artist could create. And I'm like, mm-hmm, sure. Well, <laughs> well, it's not like this is the first thing he's ever drawn. No, but this is the first time he's been free-handedly trying to do something. Otherwise, he's been copying from, right like, other herbals or things like that or plants. Yeah, but I mean, like... Drawing is kind of all just copying what you see somewhere else onto paper. 
So it's kind of a similar, like to look at a picture, a 2D picture of something and copy that and then go to a 3D thing and copy that isn't like a huge, huge leap. It's still hard. It's definitely, he should not have been able to get it in a few hours. With the exact correct colors. But he also has like, (laughs) basically, I mean, like, I don't know, the artists back in the Grecian days, they had to like open up man to figure out anatomy to correctly paint. And he kind of has a feel for living beings with the, with the wit. Right. So like he has a better sense than just our regular senses that we use but we know he's also blind like he, <laughs> he can't see anything because he just stares at him with the wind no he's not blind <laughs> he's willfully ignorant <laughs> and he Willf- definitely willfully ignorant to his, his actual physical surroundings right. and not just an opinion <laughs> so i think if he tries like it says i don't know i just it's not believable in a couple hours for me that's just i don't know i feel like he already has a lot of the base knowledge um and when it says that they're impressed with it i don't know maybe i mean i guess she does say that she would hire the person so it has to be pretty good yeah she's like oblivious and she's like oh wow um yeah I, tell me who did this, because I need people to copy like the plants that I want copy, because no one else has real good eye for color, and this is perfect. And I'm just sitting there like, okay, 14-year-old Fitz. <laughs> Zero. <laughs> oh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I think it's a little bit realistic. And also, it's a magic book, so like... <laughs> well, it's... The base is there for him to do it, but then he doesn't do it ever again. Well, that's not true. I think he he... Um, transcribe stuff for, um, oh, for shade all the time. Yeah, and I think like plants. Well, yeah, but I'm sure he also. I'm maybe I'm confusing this with one of the elderling books, but I think he's also transcribed pictures on scrolls, and like. Maybe, I, but I think in the next series there's something, or maybe I'm again. But I'm he probably... he never sits down and has like sheets of paper and then paints something that we know because we, as we we've know. as we've established, <laughs> there are plenty of things that go on with the fool that we never get to see. It's they're so close that in this chapter, the fool is finishing his thoughts and he doesn't even think that's weird anymore. So what else are we missing? Because this is basically the first time we've seen him since the garden path. So maybe <laughs> he spends all his free time doodling. <laughs> We're just missing all the art lessons that the fool gives him. All right. So uh, after this creation session, Fitz walks to Lady Patience. He's late because he was doing this. Um, Mm -hmm. He has three paintings, two that he likes and one that is more impression and shadows that create the shape of a dog that is the one that impresses everybody so much. And he feels super embarrassed just standing at her door. And he likens it to a toddler presenting crushed and wilted dandelions to his mother. Was this a fitting pastime for a youth? If I were truly Fedrin's apprentice, then exercises of this sort would be appropriate, for a good scriber must illustrate and illuminate, as well as a scribe. But he's like, he's embarrassed and he doesn't want to present them anymore because he's like, this is kind of pathetic. Yeah. 
a very, it's very moody cute. teenage yeah. boy of like he was so excited to do this thing because he's like oh i can prove i have talent and then he's embarrassed because he's putting effort forward and showing her that he can do something and but he doesn't even have to knock yeah. because she, she was already, waiting yep <laughs> she already opens the door um and of course patience is like whirlwind already like oh you're late like sit down like <laughs> starts talking about how he's going to recite verse today and um, if you can recite verse then you can compose it because yep. <laughs> rhyme and meter are the same like it's fine and He'll then she stops um and says is that the puppy and he says it's meant to be i muttered and could not remember her feeling more wretchedly oh my god and could not remember feeling more wretchedly see, embarrassed let me see the whole thing again it's meant to be. Yeah. It's meant to be, I muttered, and could not remember feeling more wretchedly embarrassed in my life. <laughs> oh, he's so embarrassed. He, I could just picture his face is super red and he's you looking know, down, like oh trying God. not to make eye contact. Like maybe if I close my eyes, it'll this disappear. Is like, Lacey, why did you talk to me? <laughs> <laughs> um But yeah, patience is like, who did these for you? Not that it excuses your being late. But I could find good use for someone who can put on paper what the eye sees with colors so true. That is the trouble with all the herbals I have. All the herbs are painted the same green, no matter if they're gray or tinged pink as they grow. Such tablets are useless if you are trying to learn from them. And Lacey's like, mm, I suspect he's painted the, himself, ma'am. <laughs> <laughs> because Lacey knows what's going on yeah. here. And Patience continues her thought, and then all of a sudden, like, that sentence catches up to her she's like you thomas and the paper this is suddenly better than what i've had to you (laughs) (laughs) and i think that was the first time she remembered to use the name she had bestowed on me with this comment this next comment your father could not draw a curved line save it was on a map did your mother draw i think she was like going over everything that she knew that chivalry had a talent for he must have been able to play an instrument he must have been able to at least vaguely compose some songs, maybe not the best at anything, but he had some talent in some things like that. Right. And so that's why she was picking those things for him because if his father could do it, then he should be able to. Right. So she asked, did your mother draw? And this is the first time that someone worked up enough courage to even ask Fitz that or anything about his mother really. Yeah. And he's like, I have no memories of her. And she's like, none? Like, what? You have to remember something, you know, what she smelled like, what she called you. And there was a pained hunger in her voice, a curiosity she could not quite bear to satisfy. It's that jealousy that the fool was talking about. Right. And what if he said, oh, she's the most beautiful woman in the entire world, and she was beautiful and tall and talented at everything and like that's what patience is expecting right and you wouldn't want to hear that that's who your husband had this baby with right yeah (laughs) and he almost remembers his mom for a moment what she smelled like um maybe mint something close but then he says nothing lady if she had wanted me to remember her, she would have kept me, I suspect. I closed my heart. 
Surely I owed no remembrance to the mother who had not kept me, nor ever sought me since. Which we know is false as well. Right. And it's so sad because he has so much pain. He wants a mother figure in his life. And his real mother to him, there's hope there, and yet also anger because she gave him away so easily. Right. And I'm like, I'm curious with this part right here, because I know we've we've mentioned before that, you know, he forgot his mother because I think that he put all the memories into Girl and a Dragon. Mm -hmm. So he can't like really recall that. But he's bringing this up as if he couldn't remember when he was 14. Right. So I'm wondering, like, if that's a mix of like. Yeah, he can't remember the the details now when he's telling this story, so he assumes that he couldn't remember them back then, or if it was just a mix of, like, repression and that. I think, personally, just opinion-wise, <laughs> that Fitz has spent a lot of time alone and probably missing the feeling of being loved by his mom. And I think as he grew and got further and further away from that, he would start to resent remembering what it felt like to be loved and held and just not alone. And I think he would start to push that away and anything that reminded him of his mom, he would just yeah, it makes push sense. down. And I think because here he starts to remember, oh, she smells like mint. Or something close to mint. And then he remembers that, oh yeah, she didn't want me, so why does it matter what she smelled like? Right. And it's him shoving it back down. He closes his heart to that. And I think it's not necessarily that he can't remember at this point. I think he just doesn't want to and because it hurts too much yeah. to know what he's lost. Oh, it makes sense. Uh, patients realize she's got into a difficult topic <laughs> and kind of changes and like oh you were taught well who who taught you and um Fitz moves on to explaining about Fedrin and how he's you know a really good scribe he had this really good paper and he kind of brags that he's really he Fedrin really likes his writing and is really proud of his work and I think this is kind of to make up for the fact that he hasn't talked really about any of his skills yeah he would like me to apprentice to him he's pleased with my letters and works with me now on the copying of his images when we have time that is and then starts talking about paper. how he's <laughs> looking for paper and apparently this is one of the things that patience is super knowledgeable about and, and into and looking for <laughs> um great paper substitutes and how to create better paper mm -hmm. just kind of like goes on that conversation mm -hmm. and deeper into that topic and i love that we get to learn a little bit more about fedrin here and how he, his main ultimate goal is to make education accessible to everyone and i just think that's really admirable and cool and i like that he's such a good part of Fitz's life and a good role model. Fedrin's great. He's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like to think that he's like this cute old man, like kind of looks like Belle's father in Beauty and the Beast, the animated version. 
and <laughs> he's just like really into making paper and also writing. <laughs> Not machine inventions, but no. paper. Yes. <laughs> um, Has ink everywhere. Yeah. And patience is kind of lost in that topic and you can tell she's still thinking about the painting and she's like you like the puppy this much and Fitz is like yes and she gets that reconciliation she was looking for that acceptance of her basically in that look I think since he was so sincere in that appreciation that he accepted her gift that it gives her a feeling of of peace for that part of her like she was so nervous and so guilty about everything and to find that like this young boy really appreciated what i gave to him i could i could give him something and it was loved i think that's like it helped her out so much in that moment and she just kind of bursts out crying and is grateful. Yeah. Sometimes you are so like him that she choked. You should have been mine. It isn't fair. You should have been mine. She cried out the words so fiercely that I thought she would strike me. Instead, she leaped and caught me in a flying hug. At the same time, treading <laughs> upon her dog and overturning a vase of greenery. <laughs> <laughs> Dog sprang up with a yelp, the vase shattered on the floor, sending water and shards in all directions, while my lady's forehead caught me squarely under the chin, so that for a moment all I saw was sparks. Before I could react, she flung herself from me and fled into her bedchamber like a, with a cry like a scalded cat. She slammed the door behind her. And all the while, Lacey kept on with her tatting. She gets like this sometimes, she observed benignly, and nodded me toward the door. Come again tomorrow, she reminded me, and added, You know, Lady Patience has become quite fond of you. Which is a very funny way to follow up a very heartbreaking scene. Right. I'm like, my eyes are watering. I cry every time I read this section. <laughs> it's just so sad. Ugh. Every time I read the, you should have been mine, it isn't fair, you should have been mine. Like, yeah. ugh, she wanted a child so bad. And here's the picture of her husband who she loved. And there's so much distance between them. And there's a bridge starting to build. But I think just the acknowledgement of how far they are at this moment has to hurt because he could have been hers. Right. And they could be closer now. I don't know. It just, ugh. it's so sad. Fitz is, I don't know. I don't know. He's pretty happy in this. Like he's, he, he has a new companion. He's not feeling as alone anymore. Mm-hmm. He might be starting to get, you know, a rough acquaintance with Lady Patience. <laughs> They're starting to relate to one another a little bit. Mm-hmm. He's finally getting a mother figure in his life. And the best one. Eventually. Yeah, eventually. <laughs> I would love to have Lady Patience in my corner. <laughs> oh, yeah. She's great. And. 100%. 
I don't know, from this beginning to where they end up at the end of the series is just really a beautiful thing to me. I just love that Fitz does kind of adopt her as his mom. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I think the second she saw him in in Patience's eyes that like he's hers, that's even if a month after she heard about him yeah he was hers yeah <laughs> and i don't know i just it's really sweet it's sad it's so very sad but it's also really sweet mm-hmm. well thank you for tuning in to this episode um if you want to reach out and, and talk to us about anything please feel free to do so on any of our social medias or you can email us at isfitshappy at gmail.com. Um, we're at isfitshappy on everything. And thank you, everybody, uh, who sent stuff to us this past week. Again, I want to apologize. We were kind of getting settled into our new place and didn't have a lot of time to respond And while we were getting set up. Um, but we have reached out to everybody I think that have has reached out to us so um please uh, if we don't get back to you within the first you know day or two we are going to read everything we are going to try to respond to everybody um just want to thank everybody again for that yeah and your guys' patience like we said we're moving so it's been a little hectic um finding time but we have done it and we love talking to you guys <laughs> it has been the bright spot in our boring moving time <laughs> So this past week, um, we got a message from Michelle on Instagram, and she talked a little bit about um, Galen and um, how she agrees that it's so weird that Galen has so much power. Um, and then she also um, let us know that um, in... It, southern germany the drinking age legal drinking age is 16 so it wasn't as weird to her to hear about 14 year old uh fitz drinking so like we said it's more common in european countries it's probably just our americanness that's (laughs) it's just another confirmation that um that robin hobb must have drawn a lot of influence from european cultures in general just to create the six duchies But yeah, Galen is Galen is weird. I don't know. Oh, the, I just not. I mean, Galen is the worst. But like, yeah, Galen's position and the position of the skill master is weird. Yeah, agreed. <laughs> <laughs> we also got an email. Yes, uh, from Shane again, and we had a nice conversation um, about what our favorite point of view characters are. Yeah, so I thought that would kind of be interesting to speak about with everybody. Yeah. Um, I mean, Fitz is great to me. I always love Fitz, but I guess personally, like I told Shane, my favorites are um, Althea, B, and Elise. Um, so I don't know. I just think they're cool characters and it's fun to see things from their points of view. Another point of his... Uh email was asking why he seemed more drawn to the female point of views as well so i'm curious of what your thoughts on that were because your your three favorites were female (laughs) point of views right well 
I don't know. I think partially it's because I'm a girl and um, at least a lot with Elise and Althea, some of the things that they struggle with or are going through really resonates with me in my personal life experiences, maybe not to the same extent as them. Um, but I just, I don't know, like the, the male point of view is also interesting. I feel like I get a little bit more annoyed with the male point of view. (laughs) (laughs) So maybe that's why. And also I feel like the best ones are kind of villainy. Like Kenneth, I, he makes me so angry. Um, but he's a really well-written character. Um, and it's interesting to see how he thinks versus how everybody thinks of him. Uh, but I wouldn't name him as a favorite or, um, Brashen is so interesting because he's so self-loathing, um, but also so arrogant. (laughs) And I don't know. So I don't know why I'm more drawn to the female characters again, probably because there's more experience there that like I understand personally. Um, but I think also it's just fun to see a strong character who has to um, fight against a society that is like bringing them down, whereas the male's struggles are more um, fighting against inner turmoil, which is still interesting to me and I still like reading, but um, it's just not as, I guess, visible. So do you think Robin Hobb is better at writing women or is it just personal experience and how you relate to those characters because that's my that's the second one is more my feeling but um i don't know i mean i guess it's hard to say because right i don't know how like a generalized generalization of the male brain works i'm not an expert on that life experience so i'm not sure if her male writing is true to male um I still think it's really well done and I like it a lot. I just find the female characters more interesting. So maybe it is just that she's putting more energy into the female characters. I feel like Robin Hobb as an author does a really good job of rounding out all of the characters and you can imagine them doing other things, even if they're not in shot or in frame. And Even if you're not reading directly about them, you know they're doing things and there's things happening to them. Whereas sometimes in books, when a character isn't around, you kind of forget about them till they come back. And like, sure, maybe they like it's said that they've done something off screen to help the plot. But sometimes I feel like these characters are all so alive that they do things whether it helps the plot or not. Right, and it's, yeah. I don't know. I it's just a, think it's, it's a world that it's they a, live in. Yeah. It's living and breathing. And it's just, I guess, refreshing to see all characters get that type of well-roundedness, mm-hmm. whereas a lot of times it's either the females or the males get a lot of well-roundedness, and the opposite doesn't. So, um, My favorite characters, or point of views, I guess, um, are Fitz is my first one. Um, because we kind of sit in him for most of the time and it's very comfortable to me. And I feel like even though he's extremely frustrating to read at times and makes the wrong choices constantly, uh, I can really relate to, um, a lot of the things that he's feeling at various points in, in, in his life. And obviously I've, not gone through anywhere near the trauma that he has in his life. But, um, 
I can really relate to some of the things that he's been through. And I, I really do enjoy being in his head and hearing how he would react to things, even though if it's incredibly frustrating to me every time. (laughs) Um, But as a, as a secondary character, um, Shane's question was originally about protagonists, but I went off topic and I had to say Kenneth because like like you mentioned, he is a despicable character, but he is so fascinating to read. And I just absolutely love being in his head and how he reacts to things because we don't get a look into the villain's head very often in these books at all. So it, it was super interesting. Um, and I know he wasn't like completely the villain all the time, just... 90% of the time <laughs> um, because people saw him as a hero once in a while. Right. Um, but yeah, it, it was super interesting to read how, like you said, people perceived him versus what he was actually intending to do. Um, and as uh, some side characters, uh, Ronica and Paragon are two of my other favorites. That's fair. Even though Ronica is also frustrating, I really liked her character. Mm, I feel like I would say I liked Malta before Ronica. Oh my god, no. Malta is my (laughs) least favorite character. Not my least favorite, but I literally can't stand her. I hate Malta in a lot of ways, and reading her the first time, I hated her so much, but I really enjoyed reading from her perspective. It was so wrong all the time because she's a child (laughs) and thinks she's an adult, but it was so good. It was done so well. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, so if you have any uh, other things to send us, any topics you want to discuss with us, we'll try to send you an email back. Um, It's not guaranteed that we'll talk about them on here. I just want to hear your thoughts on everything and everything. We want to get conversations going about these books. And we like hearing other people's point uh, point of view. Definitely. Um, So please reach out. Um, and we want to hear your favorite POVs and why as well. And if you think um, Robin Hobb is just better at writing that that sort of person or whatever, we want to hear the reasons you think. Thanks for tuning in. <laughs>